Welcome in to Talking Terps, a show which covers University of Maryland basketball and football. Talking Terps is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Terrapins. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Welcome into Talking Terps. I'm your host, Zach Kiesel. Talking Terps is brought to you courtesy of Mercer Floor and Home Carpet One. Mercer is a third-generation family business established in 1959 and located on Main Street in beautiful, historic downtown Westminster, Maryland of Carroll County. For all of your flooring needs, think Mercer. This is our first show of 2022. Happy New Year to everybody out there. Hope everybody had a good holiday. I was down in Florida. I am still not used to this cold weather up here. I don't think I ever will be. Uh, but we're going to talk, uh, we're going to talk <laughs> Terps here. Uh, the basketball team's struggling. We're going to talk about them a little bit, but we're going to talk mostly about football because that's where the positive stuff is. And we're going to ring 2022 in with more positive than negative. And here to help me do that, my co-hosts, Mike Popovic and Pat Donahue. Pat, how's it going, man? It's going good, Zach. Happy New Year to you and Mike and, and our listeners. And, um, I'm breaking my rule of, you know, only saying Happy New Year, you know, a week outside of the actual holiday itself. But like you said, we haven't done a show, so um, haven't seen you guys. haven't had a chance to talk Terps and uh, looking forward to it. I didn't think we'd this time of year we'd be saying that the, the football team is the positive news uh, to get to. But here we are. So. Yeah, I think uh, we can. Can we officially say Maryland's a football school, Mike? Or I guess it's just a lacrosse <laughs> school. <laughs> <laughs> well, right now it feels that way. Yeah, I keep harkening back to seven and six. And hey, when does the football season kick off for twenty twenty two? I got to wait till, or we got to wait till September the third uh, against uh, against Buffalo. But you're right; it, it does feel like that right now. And, yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, we, we certainly did not uh, expect it from a purely entertainment standpoint. Even I mean, just these games are painful to watch Maryland currently nine and nine one and six in the conference uh they're at 95th in Kempom so I guess we got a couple more weeks until they're into the hundreds uh they've they lost were in five the of the 60s sorry not to cut you off, but they were in the 60s for yeah. a while and like yeah. so every time I went on to Kempom I kind of knew where to go and then after I think it was the last game or whatever I went on the other day and I thought did I lose my subscription or something? Like, why aren't they highlighted? And I had to keep going down and down. I had, I've never seen them as low as 95 ever since I've been. Following yeah, I think it was that the the loss to Rutgers put them over the yeah. top and, and really yep. knocked them down like 30 points. <laughs> yeah. That's, well, that's I don't need yeah. to tell that's, me they're not a good team. Truth this year. <laughs> Very true. The, the only win they've had in their last six was Northwestern uh, in double overtime. Uh, and really, the only positives from the team are Eric Ayala and Dante Scott. They're the only two players that have looked consistently good, uh, especially since conference play started. Everyone else has just struggled. Uh, Fats Russell and Hakeem Hart were benched to start the last game against Michigan. That's how bad that they've been. And just not just bad, but I know Danny Manning's been upset with their level of effort, both on the court, in games, and in practice. Yeah, I mean, the two things I would say about that, though, Hart yes. has averaged in double figures the last 10 straight games. So, But, but 
slowly but surely that started to tail off. And again, I'm not there in practice. So in terms of the effort and such, and maybe he sees that, hey, Hakeem, yeah, you, you could look at those numbers, but maybe you could actually be doing more. So um, I certainly have to respect what Danny Manning sees every and day in practice. Probably the most what we see frustrating, if not disappointing, part of the entire team this year has been Caduce Wahab. I mean, he looks, I, I said it on the boards, he doesn't look like a power five big, like at all. Just power five level big, you know, put Big Ten aside. He doesn't look like he belongs at this level of play uh, in college basketball. And that's how bad he's been. <laughs> he did, he yeah, did, they look better than Maryland. He did Georgetown. And after being special, coached but... by, uh, you know, two of the best big men to ever play the game of basketball, both at Georgetown and Maryland now with Danny Manning, he still can't get it together. He still looks absolutely terrible. Uh, luckily, they do have Julian Reese on the team. He's hit a little bit of a wall since conference play started, but he does, he looks every part of, uh, having a bright future as a big man at Maryland. Hopefully whoever they uh, get to take over as the head coach can retain him. Yeah, I mean, Pat, he's shown flashes. So I, I would say to, to Zach's points that in addition to Ayala and Scott, that yeah, he's been the other bright spot that we've seen. And yeah, the, right. the whole sister yeah, plays for the women's team, which <laughs> should help retain him, hopefully. And, and you know what? That's a I was just going to bring up. I actually just submitted an article into Chris, uh, an NBA uh, hoops article uh, or not Terps hoops article um, <clears throat> about, you know, kind of. So it, it kind of has the tone of, you know, this season for much of us fans and, and those who cover the team is, is kind of a, a lost cause at this point. I don't think there's any sense in holding on to, to false hope uh, at this point based off of, you know, what we've seen. Uh, so kind of just looking ahead, answering some of the questions that we have as a fan base of, you know, what what we can expect in the off season and, and you know, with kind of some roster turnover. And uh, I started kind of, uh, my, when I actually got into the piece and started breaking things down, I started by bringing up Julian Reese as someone who's probably the most likely to stick around through the roster attrition because um, he was always a very, um, very gung ho about, you know, staying home, playing for the hometown school, um, had plenty of other opportunities out of high school that he could have gone to, but committed to Maryland early, stayed with his commitment, um, has had some early success here. And I completely even even forgot to bring up the fact that his sister's at the school as well. Um, so you won't see that in the article, but keep that in mind that uh, that's just one more reason, you know, family ties that he would probably stay in College Park. Um, and I kind of end, you know, my write-up on him by saying he, he very well might be um, – Maryland's best building block uh, moving forward. Best or young only building, building block. block. <clears throat> or only, depending on how bad the attrition really gets. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Mike mentioned that uh, Dante Scott's been playing, you know, slightly better. Uh, and, and or I think you mentioned Dante Scott's been playing slightly better. And he mentioned Hakeem Hart's been playing slightly better. Um, I don't know if they are, you know, the fact that they are both from Philly, it's not like they were a, um, uh, a package deal in their recruitment. So I'm not, necessarily saying they're definitely a package deal on the way out but i do know they're friends i do know that um they obviously were in the same recruiting class together and it wouldn't surprise me if one were to enter the portal that the other may or may not follow just out of if they're on the fence using losing a um uh i don't know the word i'm looking for but like a security blanket a, a something of comfort on the roster a teammate you're friends with uh could sway one way or another so 
Um, not saying I expect those two to be in the portal, but it wouldn't, you know, they're kind of the two that I think people have the most questions about. And it, a lot of it will depend on who gets hired as the new coach and, and the direction the team decides to go in. And to, to the point about where Maryland is with the season and going forward here the rest of the way, you get that double overtime win against Northwestern. It shouldn't have come down to that. Scott had two critical fouls at the end of the game. It shouldn't have happened, but they showed a lot of grit and effort and fight, and they went into the early morning hours of that Thursday, and they get the win, and you say, okay, now you could build upon that. They come back home. They play Rutgers on that Saturday. They get off to an early lead in that one. They have a big lead at halftime, and then it all comes apart in the second half, and that was really, I think, at that point, the, the missed opportunity to be able to win that game, then go into a Michigan team that had missed some games because of COVID, a chance to, to start building a mini winning streak there. And the fact that Northwestern turned around and went to Michigan State without Nance and beat Michigan State when they had every reason coming off that loss to get their doors blown out, they didn't. And Maryland loses at home to Rutgers, who hadn't won a conference game on the road yet. Um, that pretty much ended it there. And uh, and then Monday, as you saw, you know, uh, a very poor effort against uh, Michigan in the first half. Much better in the second half, offensively. Defensively, it was poor throughout. Um, but it just yeah, and you guys pointed out uh, too they're, that they're starting to lose. Certain players seem like they're starting to lose focus. So it doesn't really seem like things are gonna get much better. I mean, Wahab, I didn't even touch on him. You guys kind of handled it. Uh, you know, he's he doesn't look that interested. Doesn't look that skilled. I don't expect him to be back here next year because he he came here to develop quickly and to possibly develop into a pro prospect. I think those, unless he changes something drastically like scenery, I don't think that's ever going to happen for him. So I, I could see him. Um, and, you know, he's a seven foot center, so someone will pick him up. But he uh, I just don't necessarily see how his situation could change much uh here at maryland so um, yeah i think the best yeah. thing for him and for maryland is that he goes to like a mid-major next year uh yeah. he doesn't belong on a big 10 roster at no. least as a starter and really he doesn't provide enough to be a, a solid rotational piece either um so you're looking at julian reese taking over as the starter next year and wahab in order to get his sort of development uh for his future a mid-major is where he needs to be yeah yeah, uh, and, and I think with Wahab, given the fact that there aren't many bigs anymore with their back to the basket, Coburn is one of the few exceptions to that. Hunter Dickinson, you do find a few in the Big Ten, uh, but in general in basketball, you don't. I think one of the issues, though, is that you have to be patient and you have to be committed to getting him enough touches in the half court in a day and age where it's a lot of four out and one in, or really even five out for that matter, or four in where a guy floating around is that one, um, to have the commitment to swing the ball back and forth, make good passes, get him the ball on the inside, you really need to do that every couple of possessions. And I just don't think that, to be fair to him, I don't think Maryland's done a good job of that either. And again, it's, it's different from the norm today in college offenses. I get it. But if you have a guy come in like that, you've got to commit to getting him touches, getting him in a rhythm, and I don't think Maryland's done that either. So while he is uh, slow afoot and poor defensively and while he puts the ball on the floor too much offensively and doesn't get the ball out when he gets double and triple team fast enough, I also don't think that Maryland's worked enough in, um, like I said, in getting him in a rhythm and being patient. And yeah, of course, the flip side to that, to that is that when they were, I think they were doing that in the first maybe 
five, six games of the season before Turgeon uh, resigned. Uh, and he wasn't passing the ball out of double teams. And there's only so many times that you can throw the ball to yeah, a guy well. who's either going to throw up a, a contested shot out of a double team or turn the ball over because he refuses to pass the ball out of it and get open looks. So there's there's both sides to that. But yeah, I think Reese fits the bill as a modern yeah, center. I think he's, you know, get him in the weight room, get it, Kyle Tarp, uh, get him in the weight room, get him to add some muscle, uh, add some size towards the, the end of this year and into next year. And he's going to have the more size to be able to deal with the bigger centers in the Big Ten while also still possessing the athleticism uh, to uh, make plays on the perimeter where Wahab really couldn't. Because Reese, you know, we've seen him shoot threes this year. That's a skill that he has and that he can do relatively consistently. Um, so he's at least a threat from out there, which you really you need in, in modern college basketball. You know, you mentioned Hunter Dickinson, Mike. And he's a guy that, yeah, he can do a lot of dirty work down low. He can also step out and make the occasional three. Right. Yeah. And well, it's a he part can of, now. He couldn't a, last. Clearly, season. a part of Reese's game that he's brought in as a freshman, which is which is good. Um, so we should probably also mention <laughs> we should probably also mention Bruce Shingler. Uh, just just for the hell of it, uh, assistant coach Bruce Singler uh, was suspended 30 games. Uh, this came out, I think, uh, what, like a week ago, a little over a week ago. 30 days, 30 days. And that's, 30 games that's just or, the start of it. It would, it would kind of surprise me if he's ever on the bench for Maryland again at this point. Uh, he was suspended for soliciting prostitution. Uh, it didn't come out in the original report. I had the thought to look it up on Maryland's uh legal case log uh public records and uh yeah that's where i saw the for the first time that that he had been yeah he had been charged back ah, in october you, for soliciting <laughs> prostitution not sure if he didn't tell anybody yeah. or if they tried to keep this under the rug um if anything mike he ought to have a friend in this sort of thing from athletic director damon evans oh <laughs> <laughs> you can give some advice uh, that's true and i won't say a whole lot more but but it, it's a good point, though. I got thinking about that in October. Okay, somebody had to know at some point, and yet he remained on the bench for over another month or so. Uh, yeah, and and you wonder too if that if part of that played at least a small part in Maryland and Turgeon uh, parting ways at that point. But look, Shingler was brought in because he was a local DMV guy. He's got the AAU connections. He coached AAU. He was, he was brought in to recruit. And you thought it was a good pickup there, and he did nothing. He did absolutely nothing. And as I kind of joked around, you know, he was supposed to give the money <laughs> to the players, but I guess since he couldn't recruit anybody, he ended up giving to the prostitute. But it, it just, you know, it made uh, it made uh, it made what has been a rough season even worse. Uh, it, again, I my infamous phase right, or excuse me, infamous line right now is uh, throwing salt in the wound, and, and that's obviously what that was. So. Um, you know, the guy that's really gaining from this yeah. is what is it Manning Jr. I mean, he, he went up from, you know, video coordinator or recruiting guy to uh, uh, or, or basketball operations to uh, an assistant coach. And now he's moved up again. <laughs> I mean, he'll be you don't have to change the last you know. name on the press reports. And, and I think we all know that, you know, whenever a new coach does get hired, all, all these assistants probably won't be here next year anyway. Um, yeah. So good luck to Bruce Shingler with this hanging yeah. over his head, trying to find another job. Right. Right. And, and if, if we want to end with some more yeah. positive yep. Yep. Maryland coaching news, I don't know if you guys heard the, the latest rumor 
uh, swirling around about the the coaching search, but um, a source has uh, told me that there is mutual interest between the program and Rick Pitino, actually. So um, that could be something where apparently there is... uh, there are some boosters that are behind that hire and making it happen. And uh, we, we could see his name uh, get thrown into the ring here. Um, well, that Willard is still a guy I think that is a, you know, a prime candidate as well, but uh, the Patino stuff is starting to gain some legs. Patino's interesting, Mike, cause Len Elmore just came out uh, and kind of had a strong rebuke of anyone like Bruce Pearl Rick Pitino, Sean Miller. Well, Gary Williams, though, has already endorsed. Gary Williams has endorsed Rick Pitino. So that's kind of, I feel like, out of balance of that a little bit. Um, Pat, I I have no doubt that the boosters want Pitino. I have no doubt that Damon Evans would be okay with Pitino. But let's draw the line, and, and a guy like Gary Williams, but let's draw the line right there. There's no way that the president or the board of directors. Well, I will think what's, I think what's opening the door for it, though, Mike, is the fact that Patino's past allegations and past wrongdoings are are not considered as serious or even serious at all under the new guidelines and 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 NIL rules. So, well, are from we forgetting at yeah, right. well, that hey, the and that got Bruce might have a place on a Rick Patino coaching staff. <laughs> That's true. Maybe this is all the maybe these are the, the cards are lining up. But I mean, also, didn't didn't one of the assistants kind of get but, become the fall guy for that whole thing anyway? So, who yeah, knows? and Bruce Pearl always has an assistant as his fall guy when he gets right. And also, water, Bruce so. Pearl, I did hear that Bruce Pearl is also I mean, a name that they are that oh, these I'm sure. same boosters are are interested in, but Patino, right. Well, yeah, they're interested because, they, they, yeah, the, the boosters are, but, well, apparently but there's, there's no been way. discussions well, on how this, to come of up the with two, buyout money for, for either one. So that's, they're at least at that point in the discussions and trying to figure out where potential buyout money could come from and what the buyouts would be for those two two individuals. Well, I don't think I don't think Bruce Pearl would lead Auburn, leave Auburn to come to Maryland. Do I think Patino would leave Iona to come to Maryland? Yeah, absolutely, I do. But I have no doubt about the boosters. But it would still surprise me now. Yes, Pat, you're right. There was a fall guy, I guess, for the, the prostitution end of it and, and hooking up recruits uh, with uh, girls on campus and the whole sex thing there. But still, to think that he didn't know about it, well, uh, I think I, this I basketball program hanging on by a thread. Line, I think these the the movers and shakers at the top are really worried about, you know, losing this fan base. I don't want to say completely, but a lot of them already have become apathetic. We still have what 15 games or something this season, or um, it's a long time of just no interest in the program and no games other than this coaching hire is really the only thing. So I think they are looking to make a big splash one way or another. And I mean, I'd be happy with, with Willard Patino Pearl, anyone who's got a proven track record and then can come in here. Um, but I think that they aren't ruling out a big, big time hire, even if it's an older coach that's going to be like a short term bridge to a to a Willard or someone like that in a few years. Well, it, well, to me, go ahead and just go get Willard then. 
you know, I, the whole bridge thing because Willard well, may be somebody true. else by the time or somewhere else by the time uh, that Willard that, that, also that has a very strong so connection I think that's with dangerous uh, Patino, if, a very strong connection. So that not that this would necessarily happen, but like if Patino was hired and and it was only a short term deal, if there was a uh, lucrative assistant head coach and waiting hire of Willard, maybe you land both in a perfect world, but. That's that's yeah. some far fetched thinking, right? Yeah, there. that that's pretty out there. I mean, Willard been at Seton Hall, a solid program, twelve years. I don't think he's gonna. I mean, what kind of money's? I don't think they'd be able to pay him. Whatever. I don't see how it's possible either. But they would. Just, yeah. Apparently, he's the one who really <laughs> wants the Maryland job, though, and and would take, you know, maybe certain routes to get there. But but. It- well, here's here's the other thing. Oh, let's put it this way: if Pearl and I again, I I, I don't think Pearl ha- would have a shot. Maybe Patino would, but let's just say if that happens, if they hire Patino, then that that shows a radical shift then in the running of Maryland athletics and the president and the board of directors. Because I could tell you, even as early as uh, or as late as probably three years ago. I don't think that would have happened, right. um, but you know, desperate times maybe call for desperate measures of how they're viewing it. But here's the other thing with Patino, though, to realize: okay, putting aside his past and all that, what about academically? Okay, the kind of kids that he was able to get into Louisville and Kentucky, and I'm sure at Iona as well. Uh, is Maryland going to give him enough exceptions? Because they sure as heck didn't give Sean Miller those exceptions. Again, that would be a radical departure from what they're doing right now. But if they do, hey, that's fine with me. I think they need to loosen the reins up. Yeah, but it, it's I, interesting. To me, until I, I, I see agree it, I with Mike. I think what we've seen from the Board of Regents and everything that I've heard is that they are still adamant in that they do not want to touch anyone with any dirt whatsoever. It's why we've seen the sort of hires that we've seen Mike Locksley. But they hired Shingler. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's now well, in my I mean, in my happened, search yeah. of the yeah, Maryland legal research, he, he didn't have a past. He just has a present and a future. So right. he didn't have any past issues. He's he's a little young to have all those sort of past issues. That's true. Um, I personally, I. I, I'm more on the Board of Regents side. Uh, I would rather not hire someone who the NCAA is always going to be sniffing around. Uh, Bruce Pearl, it's been consistent uh, at every single one of his stops. He's had issues. He's had violations. Um, you know, we saw it with Auburn. We saw it in his previous stops. The guy can't recruit or be a head coach without committing some sort of violations, uh, stepping not just into the gray, but past it. Um and Rick Pitino, that's been well documented. I think you're right, Pat, that some of the violations that they committed have now, they look a little bit less bad now. They look a little better now with the NIL rules. But like Mike mentioned, you know, Rick Pitino also had, was hooking up his players with prostitutes. That's never going to be okay under Allegedly. NIL rules. Allegedly. Allegedly. Okay. All right. Where there's smoke, there's fire. And also, he 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 also had an affair himself. Now that that's maybe outside Damon of the purview of being a coach, that. but he also has that on there. And I, <laughs> well, th- well, there's a David. <laughs> well, uh, I'm, I'm going to bite my tongue on that. Let's yeah. just say yeah. that the two are um, held to different standards. So that's that's going to be the interesting thing, though. Here is because there's clearly going to be a divide, but in 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 Maryland's camp, and I'm sure there's even a divide in the boosters, and there's definitely a divide in the board of regents. How much are you willing to accept? Are you willing to 
accept a guy like Bruce Pearl, Rick Pitino, Sean Miller? Are you willing to not only accept them, but per- potentially give them those academic exemptions that they're going to be looking for? Or do you go safe? And if you go safe, Kevin Willard's the safe choice. He wants the job. He's never been, as far as I know, he's never had any NCAA scandals. He runs a clean program. He's been at Seton Hall for 12 years. He runs a solid program. Uh, They're doing well this year. We're ranked as high as 16th. They're ranked 29th in Ken Palm. Uh, All of their losses have been close to good teams. That seems like the realistic, uh, safe choice. Andy Enfield from USC also seems like there's interest there a bit. I know he I got what his MBA from there. Maryland. I think there. Uh, I had read something that he actually got an extension in the beginning okay. of the season. It was swept so the buyout the would be enormous. Okay. Yeah, he he's like off the table, unfortunately. But um, similar. To no, me. I mean. Nate Oates is also off the table. I don't want yeah, to hear yeah, anybody think his, Nate Oates US, is a realistic yeah. possibility. Yeah. Well, his team doesn't even look that good this year. So that's true. Yeah. So and you, when US, you lose a couple NBA guys. It's amazing what happens. Yeah. US, yeah. USC has a new AD. Obviously, they were aggressive in getting their football coach. And so I'm, I'm sure that he also wants to lock up uh, because USC, what, in the top five at one point here in the AP top 25. Uh, maybe the highest they've been in a long time or ever. Right. So, and, yeah, and I don't, I don't I, think the Just AP real quick, like, I, I agree with you guys that I think if you look at Maryland's past MO and profile for hiring coaches, Kevin Willard makes a lot more sense as a safer hire. I, I just – I think that things are getting so bad with the basketball program and with fan feedback and booster, um, you know, booster fallout that um, they're – they're looking at this as they might need to make a drastic hire to get out of a drastic situation, uh, which I agree would have to require a complete shifting of, of the guard in terms of ideology and academic exemptions and what they would allow and, and how much uh, how much of the reins they would hand over. Um, so, yeah, it would it would be something that would be a little unpredictable for sure. But I, I you know, if you go the safe route and then it doesn't work out, yeah, then you you risk losing the fan base. You you risk falling into that apathetic. You're doing you know, a Mark Turgeon again. Purgatory, right? Right. It may be even worse because there's not. You're, Tur- Turgeon took over a better yeah, situation right. than someone like Kevin Willard yeah. would be taking over. You might need a, a drastic hire in order to build something from the ground up, which we've never really found our, ourselves in uh, at Maryland. Well, I don't. I don't know that Willard took over a, a program that it wasn't the great. Was really, it wasn't uh, great was really at Seton Hall, but, I mean, it but also I don't the expectations there, the you know what the situation he was stepping into. I don't know necessarily parallels what he would be stepping into at Maryland. So that's that's fair. But do you really think at this point, twelve years, and he's got a very quality resume? Do you? Think I think that's it's a solid hire, problem? but I also I don't, don't think, think he's the type of like problem. recruiter who's going to be getting us the pro yeah. prospects that we need here to to go from being a you know having only like a maybe a one or two year dip in Big Ten success to coming back to the top of the Big Ten where we were. We don't want to be you know ninth place in the Big Ten for three four years. That's gonna that's going to put the program back a decade. So yeah, I think Willard, you know, he's going to be coming in with a very bare cover. We talked about it. You know, Julian Reese is probably the only guy uh, that you can really build a program around, and Willard is probably. But you got the you do, and that's can why make things much happen much just, faster now. You know, obviously, this is probably what Damon Evans is thinking. You hire a guy like Rick Pitino, and he's going to be able to get much higher profile transfers in immediately and maybe have a one to two year turnaround of the program. Whereas Willard, 
through both the portal, what he's able to get, and also uh, through high school recruiting, it may take three or four years. And, and, and Patino Damon Evans same. may not be here if the program takes three or four years in uh, to rebound like that. Right. And, and if you give maybe a 70-year-old Patino a two- or three-year contract, how much trouble can you get in in two, three years, you know? <laughs> Keep them busy. Well, what happens? Well, then you, well, what you, happens, you have, have to have Willard after waiting. I mean, I, right. And yeah. you hope maybe Willard, even if he moves on from Seton Hall, if I he doesn't move on to a job that's as high profile as Maryland, he's clearly very interested in the Maryland position. If Rick Patino gives him a, uh, a more stacked roster to work with, it could almost lead to a better and easier transition. Uh, or into if Patino so. puts somebody on the staff who's young, who can take over the program in three yeah, to four too. years. I know it's a lot of people have trade. been talking about an alumni uh, hire, and there's not an obvious one. Juan Dixon and Steve Blake are really the only ones, and they're not ready for the job yet. Not sure if Patino would put either of them on his staff, but that could be an option. Or again, anyone that he's had on his many staffs in the past uh, you groom them for three or four years, uh, and they take over the program when Pitino retires or moves on or whatever. Um, it makes sense, and I get why they're doing it because I think you're right, Pat. They're desperate. You know, you see the, the, the arena's been empty all year, and it's not just because of COVID, it's because of apathy. Uh, it's not just, you know, Mark Turgeon brought apathy to the program. Uh, we were happy with, quote unquote, happy with wins over mid major teams that we should have been beating handily. Uh, no postseason success really to speak of, even when they did get it into the sweet 16, they got blown out by Kansas. So there's really been no recent postseason success. You're really looking back to Gary Williams time, you know, over a decade ago to find any sort of high level success at the Maryland basketball program. And that's a long time. That's a long time for fans to stick around. And it's pretty clear that they, they, they're, they're ready to jump the ship, you know, and you, you have a, you probably do have a small window where you can realistically get back on track with season ticket sales. Uh, and Kev you hire Kevin Willard, people are not going to be lining up for season tickets. You hire Rick Pitino, they probably will be. Uh, and right. speaking from a purely financial standpoint, they may be looking at that too. Well, again, look, if, if it happens, then if Pitino comes, then obviously he's going to get the concession. So he wouldn't come if he doesn't get the concession. So if that happens, then I guess I would say, hey, that that's great. I, I say Willard only because I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but but we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see. I guess the question is going to be, well, what changed? Because, again, the high ups at Maryland, mm -hmm. I, and I still say the ghost of Len Bias still surrounds that that's college campus, but you've got that. But the high ups – are all about academics and it's a very, you know, politically oriented campus as well. And athletics takes a backseat to all that. So I don't know what's changed it. I mean, the boosters, what they haven't been banging on Maryland about Turgeon prior to this year. Of course they have. So what's changed? I mean, I've, but ultimately look, if, if they do end up shifting course, Hey, that's great. Uh, I'm, I'm all for I completely it. Agree. I just, yeah, um, it's going to take I'd a radical change among the board of regents and the president. And right. we'll see. I mean, it's possible. But, but you're right. Based on what we've seen over the last decade plus, they're not going to hire Rick Pitino or Bruce right. Pearl. They're not even going to sniff anywhere near him. The athletic department can, but they're not going to get approval from the higher ups. We'll see right. if that's changed. Right. And 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 if they, if no, sorry. I mean, look, I, 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 I was just gonna say, if they don't change, they might no, as well go, leave no, the Big Ten and, and try and join the Ivy League. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think they've been too strict. I mean, I, I get it. 
I get what they're trying to do, but you're right. This isn't, you know, this is a power five big 10 institution. One of the biggest reasons for them moving to the big 10 was athletics. Right. So if you're not going to have, if well, you're not going to be willing to take well the steps. With the engine. Yeah, it was, it was yeah absolutely. Well, that, but like, come on, we all were, know it was money for athletics. That I think even outside of the course. Big Ten, outside of the conference, if you look at the NCAA well, as a whole, I think a lot of light has been shed on the fact that student athletes are not, they're more athletes than students, kind of across the board. Even even in the Olympic sports, the amount of time that gets spent working on your craft as opposed yeah. to on your studies so, as a, often imbalanced. So um, I think the NIL, you know, legislation is a big step in the right direction for that. And obviously it'll, we'll see what it evolves into, but I, I think that, you know, it's not, um, people aren't fooled by the, by the, oh, you know, athlete, the, the programs that say, oh, the athletes have to, you know, put as much work into their studies as they do their, their sport in order to be here. People aren't buying that anymore. And any, you know, archaic, administration that is still using that is either going to like either they truly believe that and are and are abiding by that and they're going to fall way behind the pack or they have their other agendas and they're just using that as an excuse and it's a you know becoming a dated excuse so yeah but zach let me just say this maryland going to the big 10 wasn't about enhancing the sports program they were broke and they got fortunate that the Big Ten was looking to expand into D.C. and the New York markets. And they were able to offer and still are right now more money per year than the ACC. So that wasn't a move to enhance the athletic program. You, so don't, there's a you don't go to the Big Ten to be a doormat. Not if you're Maryland. No. If you're Northwestern's one thing. Maryland is not this like nationally known academic institution. I get it. The academics are probably on the higher end of a public university, but it's, come on, it's the University of Maryland. This isn't Northwestern. Well, they, this isn't Stanford. Well, yeah, but sure. Zach, they've come a long way. The business school and the research institute is considered one of the best in the, in the country. They've sure, come and a that's long what I'm way from top say, end of a public institution, ago, so but this isn't some private institution. The, the board of regents could, could loosen up just a little bit, you know. <laughs> sure, they could. I, I agree. I, I, I wish, I wish they would. And Pat, to your point about you know archaic ways and all that, what do you think's going on right now in Ann Arbor? Jim Harbaugh, a part of that negotiation isn't necessarily about getting a lot more money, although yeah, presumably he will get paid more money after the season he had. Part of that conversation is credit transfers. Because you go to Tennessee and let's say you've got 30 credits. You want to transfer to Michigan and play ball? Guess how many credits you right. get out of that 30 at Michigan? Maybe 15. Uh, NIL right now. Michigan's hedging about allowing their logo to be used for NIL. So you're right. It, but Michigan is an academic institution and they put academics above athletics. Why do you think Ohio state's beaten them so many years? Um, you know, again, that's an example, but you're right. These kind of things are going on, but that's exactly part of the yeah. negotiations right now. that's going on with Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. It, it's just about the money. I can tell you about that. It's about uh, the, the way they right. conduct business and how they view. And athletics it's silly and too, because we, do we all know that at the end of the day players. for, you know, whether it's the academic side of the institution or the athletic side of the institution, it really is all about money. And the athletes, whether they have a 4.0 GPA or a 1.0 GPA, make, you know, the good ones make the school so much money. So the fact that so many institutions care about such a small percentage of their students 
uh, performing well in the classroom as opposed to what they do on the court or field or whatever to also benefit the school. And they don't just let the student students, uh, you know, handle the academic side of things and kind of compartmentalize the two. Uh, you know, certain schools do. And obviously, as you mentioned, like certain schools don't. And it's just I think the ones that don't, most of them are starting to wake up. Um, and the ones that aren't, it's it's just it's starting to seem a little silly to me. So, yeah, but I agree, Mike. I mean, I, and I think we all agree it's going to take a massive shift in the Board of Regents in order to consider a more, quote unquote, controversial hire. Um, and we'll see if that's happened. I will say um, for additional thoughts on Kevin Willard, be sure to check out our colleague Jordan Katz's article up on BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com uh, and check out the message board. He's looking for suggestions on who to profile next. So maybe we maybe we need to suggest Rick Pitino because um, clearly there's some there's some smoke surrounding that. So let's let's shift over to football. Uh, there's a lot more positive things to talk about on the football side. Uh, they capped off the season with a blowout win over Virginia Tech in the Pinstripe Bowl. That was their first bowl victory since 2010, and it results in their first winning season since 2014. The, I got to say, guys, very enjoyable game to watch. Uh, it's been a long time since we've seen Maryland blow the doors off someone in a month that isn't September. Uh, so that was very, very satisfying to watch. And I know we can talk about Virginia Tech was shorthanded. They had the interim head coach. Look, at the end of the day, these are power five football players. And Maryland went in and blew the doors off of the Hokies. And in addition, and we talked about the significance uh, of this game, but it also being a local team uh, that you're going to be competing with and recruiting. You know, high school kids were watching that or at least looking at the box score and saying, damn, Maryland is legit. Yeah, I mean, Zach, I think the thing for me that stood out yep. is that Maryland didn't take Virginia Tech for granted, given all the circumstances. It's not like they came out and got off to a slow start, played sloppily, and and, and just eked out a win or, or ended up winning maybe or playing a little bit better at the end and, and winning by, say, 10 or 13. They came out strong out of the gates. They took command. Uh, they didn't take anything for granted. They wanted to be there. And that was a great thing to see. And it was good to see them finish with seven wins and get their first bowl win and, and all the things that we talked about. And on top of that, uh, you know, with uh, Loxley turning around, what looked to be a really bad recruiting class ended up being a lot better. So, yeah, absolutely a lot of positives there. And it was funny how they had the new head coach, Brent Pry, on uh, during the game. And in the background, you know, uh, uh, Talia threw, uh, a touchdown pass. <laughs> and he said, it's a good thing I didn't. I didn't see that. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. And, and certainly Maryland at this point is ahead of the game from a Virginia Tech yeah. uh, in terms of where their program is ahead of Virginia if you're talking about recruiting against some of the local teams to the south. Um, so, yeah, yeah it, it certainly didn't hurt. Three it didn't phases. hurt matters. Uh, Tarheeb sure. still kicked off the game with a 92-yard punt return for a touchdown. Yeah. Finally, yeah, Ron Zook might have saved his game job. Finally at the end of the yeah. game. <laughs> Yeah, that was a, that was a fun game to watch as a Maryland fan. I was there. I was uh, in the press box at Yankee Stadium nice. and hadn't got to. Yeah, uh, it was it was my first time oh, at nice, the new but, Yankee yeah. Stadium, so that was an experience and um, learned you know like two days before that it was an open air press box, um, you know, kind of oh. baseball style. So they said dress accordingly, and it was like a sub thirty degree day. Uh, yeah. But I, you know, I'm pretty good at layering up coming from you know, Philly and stuff. So I, I was good in that regard and 
wasn't as cold because they did have some heat in there. It wasn't as cold as I thought it would be. But uh, that was interesting and, and fun. I had to had to wrap a scarf around my computer so that it didn't freeze because that actually was my, my biggest concern there. Um, but the atmosphere was good. It was cool to see how they convert the field into a football field. And um, uh, honestly, walking in, I was a little nervous because, like you said, Mike, uh, there was that chance that they took the the circumstances surrounding the Hokies program for granted. Uh, obviously the Hokies were very shorthanded coaching wise and player wise. Um, but as I was, you know, parking, making my way into the stadium, all that stuff. Uh, I, it, it seemed like the, the Virginia tech fans outnumbered the Maryland fans, at least like three or four to one. Uh, it was, and I honestly thought it would be, 50 50 or the other way around because uh you know we're maryland slightly closer to new york um but virginia tech maybe has a big new york contingency i know maryland has a pretty nice new york contingency too but um just from you know i don't have an exact count but just oh, from my eye test it seemed like there was a maybe maybe four to one you know maybe three to one's a little and much but it, it seemed like there were more hokey fans um they turned out to be disappointed fans <laughs> at the end of the day because they did not get to see a good game um it was fun from start to finish for Maryland fans because the scoring never never stopped, and you got to see you know our best players put on one last uh, performance. And the highlight for me, I've honestly thought about it multiple times since the since the actual game was the hit that Nick Cross uh, put on in his sack uh, when he sacked the Virginia Tech quarterback and forced yeah. a fumble that I think was a scoop and score touchdown. It was after the fact. Um, that was one of the best hits I've ever seen. And I'm super excited to see Nick Cross as a pro. Uh, would love to see him land in Philadelphia, but uh, that that's a different conversation. So Yeah, Nick uh, Cross and Jordan Mosley, both starting safeties yep. from this year, have declared for the NFL draft. We've heard a lot of uh, names from players returning, uh, which is good to see. Greg Rose, who was the scooper and the scorer on that touchdown, is, yes. is going to be returning on the defensive line, which is good news. Uh, also a bunch of offensive linemen. I think like seven or eight wide receivers have entered the portal, but the important ones are coming back, uh, yes. which is good. Daryl Jones is is going to be gone as well as Brian Cobbs. They were already seniors. So I had my list of players who I assumed were returning and didn't know. Uh, a lot of the guys who announced they were leaving, I had already assumed were leaving because they had graduated and they were seniors and whatever. So I think, you know, I, we look at a little bit of the roster turnover. Um, there has been a lot. There's been a lot of guys that have entered the portal. Um, but no one that's been too terribly um, important, I don't think. Um, and you've well, right. And I was just about to mention Jacob Copeland, wide Florida. receiver, you've got three uh, former four-star from Florida. He started for the Gators this year. Uh, was there? I believe their their leading receiver. Uh, yeah. He's going to step in. I I assume he's going to start in the slot this year uh, with Jarrett and Demas on the outside. Obviously, interchangeable pieces. But then you got Jayshon Jones as kind of your four, fourth receiver. The wide receiving core looks just as strong, if not stronger, than it was last year, even yeah. with all those departures. Yeah, yeah. And three, Octavian three Smith, I'm really excited well, about that four-star that from, I think he's from Paint Branch. Really yeah. excited to see him. Uh, a guy who can do a lot of things for you, uh, recruited as an athlete. I think he played a little bit of quarterback in DB, but recruited as a receiver. Uh, so he's going to be fun to watch. Um, but the offense looks strong. You've also got Jalen Duncan and Spencer Anderson returning on the offensive line. That's huge. That's huge. And Johari Branch, right. So you've got and the entire offensive Johari line Branch. returning. 
And it's an offensive line that struggled a bit uh, in run blocking, but was one of the better pass blocking units in the country uh, from the metrics that I saw. And with this with this uh, receiving core and with Talia behind center, they're going to be slinging the ball around again next year. Uh, and this offensive line is going to be big. Uh, but we did see Mike uh, Colby McDonald look good uh, running the ball. And also Antoine Littleton, baby bus. Yeah. I got yeah. some run. Baby, baby he bus. was one of my favorite parts, yes. just bowling over people. Uh, and I was looking forward to seeing him more this year. I think we're going to see him a lot more next year uh, with Teon Fleet Davis moving on. And then obviously the the running back transfers. Right, Penny. And Penny Boom was supposed to be that in-between tackle guy that, that could really rush the football and be that power guy, although he showed more athleticism than I think we expected him coming in. But he put himself in the transfer portal and then I think went to Toledo uh, close to home with Detroit. But, yeah, I agree. I mean, some of those local backs, it's great to see. Uh, we're going to be fine at the running back position there. Now, yeah. the wide receivers coach, John Burden, left to go to Duke uh, to, to coach wide receivers there. But also he's gotten the title of passing game coordinator so that was the enhancement, I think, for him there. Because otherwise, hey, that's a talented room. So I don't think Maryland's going to have a tough time filling that spot from a position coach. But he was brought in, guys, as you know, and Pat, you could speak to this as a recruiting guru, is that he was brought in to recruit Virgin the state of Virginia better. Well, now he's gone. So are we looking in the state of Virginia or somebody that has Virginia ties to be the wide receivers coach? Or are we just going to get the best wide receivers coach we can? And, and well, apparently he offered the job to Tory Smith, according to Tory Smith's Twitter uh, and Tory Smith <laughs> turned him down. So, so there's that, uh, that would be, a, that would be a great hire. I know he's he doesn't from have Virginia. And Hey, that's a good point from Virginia. Um, that'd from be the a tidewater area. I, I yeah. right. I think a lot of players, NFL. not all, but a lot of players, would and do make great coaches um you know the real heady ones which i tory smith to me has always seemed like a heady player um you know i think also maryland as a whole you know across its athletic department doesn't hire enough uh people with maryland roots maryland and obviously they did it with loxley and all and that but it took them long enough to get there but um you know i think that that's always an added bonus when they have that extra motivation and tie to the fan base, tie to the area, knowledge of the area, um, things like that. So, yeah. Well, I know I there's, mean, been, there's been talk about Derek Keefe, the former Alabama receiver who is on the staff as a graduate assistant. There's been talk about him taking over the job as kind of an internal option because this sure. is the second year in a row that they've lost their wide receivers coach to a relatively, and I know, he, I know uh, Burden added passing game coordinator to his title, but from what I heard, it's all money, and they weren't willing to pony up, uh, which is the same thing that happened with Joker Phillips two years ago. This is the second time they've lost their wide receivers coach to a lesser program in the ACC. Well, NC State. Yeah. Uh, well, he actually took a demotion there. The because, ACC recently. Been, I believe been, that he was the associate teams, head coach here, and he – I think he's since added that title at NC State, but it wasn't the case at first. This is all, from what I've heard, it's all money. Uh, but remember, you know, but remember too, the, we talked about the whole Eno situation as well. So, yeah, I mean, you're probably right. I mean, money certainly plays a part, and that's that's my point. Passing game coordinator adds more money in addition to being a position coach there. So, yeah, naturally he's going to be paid more money anyway, but he's also been given an extra he's also been given extra responsibility there as well. But yeah, the, but that's part of it is that right with Maryland football right now, uh, financially, are they in a position to be able to pony up for the better coaches? 
you know, if it weren't for the and tie with Enos at Alabama, he probably wouldn't Brian be here Stewart. either. Not that he can't have success here, some success, but let's be honest, he wouldn't have been at the top of Locks's list if he had all the money in that he probably deserves to deal with. Yeah, but he also doesn't have a, a terrible resume. I mean, the guy did coach in the NFL, and and and, yeah. and Baylor is not a a, a bad yeah. college program, so, as you know. So it's been you know. it. It's just a complaint but, of mine. Uh, no, you're, that you're it right. Just I mean, seems like Maryland as a whole is either unwilling or unable to invest in assistant coaches for the football program. Um, and I get they had to do what they did with Loxley because he was one of like three people who they even interviewed for the job because the program <laughs> was in such a mess. Uh, and they didn't have to ha- pay him as much because of his past, and he hasn't been a head coach uh, other than New Mexico, hasn't been a Power 5 head coach. But, you know, I'd like to see them invest a little bit more in his assistance because we've seen it multiple times, uh, and we saw it. I mean, George Hilo is another example of guys who are assistants here, positional coaches. They leave to take positional coaches at other schools for more money. Um, and you'd like to be able to keep them around. And look, who knows? Burden may have wanted the extra responsibility, and that's why he left. We don't know. They couldn't have given him that passing game coordinator title. That already belongs here to Mike Miller, uh, who I believe is uh, one of the fastest rising uh, both recruiters and positional coaches in the country. He's a guy I'm surprised nobody's poached yet. We need to keep it that on the down low. Uh, one thing I... Maybe, maybe that's maybe. part of the thinking that maybe they're going to have they to put more for um, him. So they gave shuffle uh, around the but... defensive line coach, and I'm blanking on it. Brian Williams. They gave him uh, the co-defensive coordinator uh, title, and I, I believe, and I, I could be wrong, but I heard that he was calling plays against Virginia Tech and Rutgers. So my question is, does Brian yes, get fired games, now yeah. in the offseason? Do they promote Brian Williams? Because I also heard that Brian Braswell, the the linebackers coach may be on his way out. That's just a rumor that I heard. So take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, when yeah. you win, you'll True. get more money. True. They yeah. won those games. Keep winning. So one thing I do want to also mention, and Mike, you're the, you're the Delaware high school guru here um, in that you actually know about it. And I don't think Pat or I really know anything about it. Four-star 2023 quarterback Cam Edge from Smyrna. Uh, he's going to be on campus at Maryland this weekend. I've heard talk that he's going to be reclassifying to 2022. And I know Jeff Ehrman over at 24 seven sports seems to think Maryland has a really good chance of landing him, put a crystal ball in for him over at 24 seven. That would be huge. I mean, do you know anything about this kid out of Smyrna? I, I don't know about, no, because the, the kid that was at Smyrna this year that started he had gone to DeMatha and then came back to Smyrna. Okay. And I believe he signed with South Carolina. So he's going to South Carolina. So this kid would have been his backup then. Uh, I could tell you it is a top-notch program. Uh, they're well coached. I was at a, a three-way scrimmage in Berlin at Stephen Decatur High School this summer. And, I mean, clearly they were the best team there. But I was really impressed with head coach Mike Judy and the staff that they have and the way they conduct themselves. It's like a mini college there. So I can tell you he's going to get really good coaching. Uh, Upstate Delaware has good high school football. So uh, I I think, though, with this kid, he's going to have to go out and obviously prove himself. I think he's probably shown himself at camps and he may be one of the quarterback factory uh, products as well. Uh, but I do not believe he was a starter this past season. Uh, but, uh, you know, that said, 
uh, there's no reason to believe that that this kid won't be a solid prospect. So he was out. at DeMatha. Uh, but, you know, someone to watch this fall. He was obviously. at DeMatha. I just looked that up, and I didn't know this before. He played He played in spring, spring oh, 2021. He played a, an abbreviated okay. season as a sophomore for DeMatha. Uh, played at DeMatha prior to his junior year. Not sure if he was at Smyrna before that and then went and then came back. He's at Smyrna now. I can tell you that. He's a four-star uh, recruit. He is currently ranked as the number one player in the state of Delaware for 2023. Although, like I said, there's talk about him uh, reclassifying. Uh, and he's currently ranked as the number 17 quarterback in the class. Well, they they must have a nice pipeline to DeMatha because Cameron That's Edge I'm talking about. was the quarterback that was their starter. This That's Cam Edge. Yeah. He's going to be. Yep. You're good. Is that He's going to be on campus I'm this sorry, weekend. That's Cam- okay. So, okay. So that is the kid. So okay, I'm so I'm confusing him with another guy in terms of South Carolina. I think that was a quarterback at Middletown who's also a good upstate product. So I have seen this kid play then, okay. and again, I, I'm I am impressed with him. I'm impressed with the coaching that they have. Uh, so yeah, I, I yeah, apologize so about that. I'm just something to keep yeah. your eyes on. Um, like I said, he is going to be on campus this weekend. Um, Elijah Brooks, it looks like, is the one leading his recruitment, which makes sense because he would have been his high school coach uh, when he was at DeMatha. Um, and we'll see. I mean, I don't know how imminent this would be, whether he's going to come out of that visit with a commitment or what. But something to keep an eye on. Stay close to Twitter this weekend because you may see something out of him, which would be huge because, like we mentioned before, uh, Maryland lost A.J. Swan, who was their big four-star uh, recruit quarterback in this year's class, who was supposed to be the heir apparent to Talia Tungavailoa, uh, and they missed out on him. He ended up going to Vanderbilt. So this kid, Cam Edge, if he reclassifies to 2022, would have a chance to start as a freshman, uh, barring any transfer portal uh, looks. So obviously there's there's um, there's an opening there uh, for him, and he can clearly see a path to playing time pretty early. Yeah, and, and just so you guys know, he's got, in addition to Maryland, uh, now these are, right now, we're not saying hot and heavy, but LSU, Kentucky, Cincinnati, and Boston College all have some at least slight interest in uh, the young man. So, obviously, you know, LSU, we know about them uh, with Brian Kelly. Kentucky, I mean, I think they're an underrated program. They're really, uh, they've really come up. We know about Cincinnati getting into the college football playoff. Yeah, and he's and got offers, is another good a number school. of offers for a 2023 kid. Um, and I know Ohio State has not offered him yet, but it looks like they've been sniffing around him as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Tennessee, Pitt, Penn State, Michigan State. LSU, like you mentioned, Mike, I mean, these are all programs that have offered him a scholarship uh, for a 2023 kid. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm seeing the complete list now. I just saw. Yeah, so he does have. Uh, well, yeah, I was going to say that's going to be the concern is, you know, the other schools because I and I keep saying I, I think upstate Delaware high school football and basketball, I think is underrated. And you've got some really talented guys that, that come out of there. And, yeah, I apologize. I was confusing the Smyrna edge with the Middletown quarterback who committed uh, to uh, South Carolina, but they've had kids that um, have really gone on to doing great things. Uh, certainly uh, at wide receiver, uh, the Tampa Bay uh, wide receiver that got hurt this year, though, that uh, was their number two uh, came from uh, Middletown. So he's an upstate Delaware guy and I'm blanking on his name right now. To, yeah. To bring so him something but, to keep uh, an eye on recruiting yeah. has not stopped despite uh, national signing day. 
Okay. Chris Godwin. Yeah. Yeah. So recruiting always happening, uh, especially in the off season Uh, and national signing day isn't until the official one is until what February sometime, Pat. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's February 3rd this year. I don't know why that date it's either the third or the fifth, but it's, it's it's always like that first week of February. It's a Wednesday. So, yeah. So that's when Maryland will be able to lock in uh, everything. Of course, there's still, you can still add you know, Juco kids late. And we saw that with Eric Harris, the center this year. So lots of possibilities there for Loxley to add people to the program, especially with the transfer portal, a uh, million dudes in there at this point. So keep your eyes on that. I saw Vandarius Cowan today, the linebacker just uh, officially signed. They were officially able to announce that he had uh, committed to Maryland and signed. So He's on board, and then we'll we'll see. Copeland is also uh, going to be here as well. I know the the football team had the guys in uh, the early enrollees, uh, and the team showed up uh, today. I think they 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 were on campus to start the spring semester, so that's that's good. And I, there's a decent number of um, of recruits from 2022 from this class who are early enrollees. Uh, so obviously helps them in their in their quest to earn early playing time as a freshman. Uh, get on get on campus, get an extra six months in, and see what happens. Um, so before we hop off, um, I know Pat, you mentioned you're going to have an article up. Uh, is that that's what basketball? Yep, basketball article should be up in the next you know either tonight or tomorrow probably. Cool, Mike, you have anything you're working on? Yeah, no, I mean, and uh, with basketball as well, uh, some of the micro as compared to macro in terms of, you know, what we have seen on the floor for them, what their deficiencies have been, why things have have uh, fallen sideways, and then also some thoughts about the the further news concerning the football team uh, with any further uh, transfers like Copeland, like the linebacker we talked about today, and uh, and looking ahead to 2022 with uh, what is a very interesting non-conference schedule. Yeah, Charlotte they have the with road, Buffalo, Charlotte, too, and SMU. Interesting. Yeah, and I, I'm planning a yes, road trip down there to. because why not? It's a 15,000 yeah, seat stadium in Charlotte on beautiful a nice city September afternoon. Yeah, one of my favorites. And I haven't yep. I haven't been yet, so that's going to be a good opportunity for me. Uh, and it should be cheap tickets, so that'll be that'll be nice. We, we, I mean, certainly we, I would love to see us and not necessarily because of the ACC tie, but because of the border end of it. Yeah. I'd certainly like to see us play Virginia, Virginia tech, West Virginia, uh, every year, every other year. I'd love to see that continue. I know we're not playing West Virginia, obviously this season, but I, I think those I believe need to they come back. They immediately need Virginia to make an effort to do that in the next few years. Yeah, I think that's right. It takes two to tango, but I just I would love to see more of those kind of matchups. And I guess the other thing we made mention of it uh, about uh, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan is that if he should take the job of the Las Vegas Raiders and I'm still leaning towards him staying at Michigan, but it's much more of a possibility after the season he had that he could check off a lot of things and not leave Michigan uh, and not accomplishing all that he said he wanted to and that they wanted him to. But if he should leave, then obviously you've got assistance there, and who knows what could happen. You mentioned Hilo. Is there any chance they sure. could get him back or you know any of the other guys there? Who knows? Again, money plays a big part, but uh, there may be some guys uh, looking for jobs. Yeah, speaking of the leave, NFL, so we got playoffs this weekend. I guess we're all, what, Bills and Rams fans as far as Maryland ties go. Bills with Stefan Diggs and then the Rams with Jake Funk and Antoine Brooks. I guess sure. we're rooting for a Bills I don't know. I'm not. Much, it's hard for me to root for the Rams. But now that you bring up Jake Funk, I do like Jake. I definitely Bills third, yeah, for sure. 
right. I'm all in. I'm, I'm, you know, obviously none of our teams are in it now, but Pat, at least your Eagles made the playoffs. Uh, but <laughs> it would I've been all been in. I, I want, let me, I just want to see Diggs get a ring. Let it be this oh, year that when would the Ravens be are down. Let's get Diggs amazing. a ring. I find so much about the Bills likable from their coach yeah. to their yeah. players. Yeah. I have a hefty preseason wager, Super Bowl <laughs> wager on them. Um, there you go. So let, let's see how that turns oh, out. But, um, I, yeah. yeah, I'd be thrilled if Buffalo won it. I, absolutely. I mean, I you know, I don't – hate KC but obviously I you know I'm I'm done with them they you know they've had a, they've had a run Tennessee I <laughs> strongly dislike Mike Vrabel and the Titans and obviously back as Ravens fans we go back to Central days said, them uh so he's point, fuck the Titans and that's all that really <laughs> needs to be said well I could see I could see <laughs> Like definitely yeah. as Ravens fans you guys should absolutely hate the Titans the rivalry they built with you guys and the Steelers they 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 dug in your guys' crawl for sure, and I would hate them just as much. From from an outsider's point of view, I find them a very interesting bunch, especially with Vra- with Vrabel and kind of their opposite approach to the game. Uh, not that I'm rooting for them per se. I may or may not have a preseason wager on them as well. Um, <laughs> but I do I do respect Derrick Henry at least, and I, I think Mike Vrabel, for as much of an ass as he is sometimes and as much as he uh, – uh, just comes off as a pompous prick most of the time. I think he's a pretty good coach going back to, you know, players translating to coaches. I think he's a pretty good football mind. Yeah, the only teams I actively don't want to win it are the Titans and the Bengals. And oh, you could have- see, I would be happy if the – well, I see you with the Bengals. Well, I'm I'm all in on the Joe Barrow bandwagon. Love that guy. I loved him at LSU. You know, I liked him, and then what was it he said earlier this week? They asked him about beating the Ravens and the Steelers both twice in one year, and he said, well, this is the way it's going to be from now on. And Uh, I'm like, dude, you had one good year. He's starting to get a little uh, ahead of himself, but yeah. Yeah, well, I, I thought, to, to be fair, I thought he was referencing that that getting to the playoffs was going to be the standard for them year in and year out. But, yeah, if, if yeah, he right. said that as well, that's uh, you better watch material out. material for that's, teams that don't you know, need that's it. Not yeah, I was going to say, you don't need it in that division at no. all. So, But I love watching him and Jamar Chase play. So as long as that goes on, yeah. I'm all for See, it. See, I had to sit in the stands and watch that first Ravens-Bengals game in October when they Jamar Chase went like 300 300- fucking yards right. or whatever he does that to I, people i'm scarred for life i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to see him ever again well that that game yeah. they had blown coverages and really poor tackling so basically so the, the two teams you guys hate the most was, are playing against each other so who, you have to if you had to root for one which one are you hoping comes out and and wins meteor i'm rooting for a meteor at the stadium <laughs> <laughs> earthquake something well, I, I, I guess I, I guess I would rather have Tennessee Who has win because a lesser since it's a chance of winning the next week. I don't know. Well, I, I think whoever wins that Bills, I, the biggest thing this weekend is that the Bills Chiefs game that neither team sustained. Yeah, I don't want to see either team sustain a serious injury on either side of the ball because I think the winner of that game will probably go on to win the Super Bowl or at least play in the Super Bowl um, and give us a good game. So um, Yeah, I'd love to see Buffalo think, get that yeah. monkey off their back. Yeah. That clip of yeah. Stefan Diggs staying and watching Kansas City celebration last year on their field right. and him just standing there. I think the whole team took to that, has been taking that, that mindset. They yeah. they seem super locked in. I saw a crazy 
I agree. Oh, yeah. They're and on KC a hot streak. Casey's beatable. They're not. The cool. I've been torn between picking that game, but like they, the they closer are. we get, I'm really in because I don't want my bias to sway me in in you know Buffalo's direction in terms of predicting. But the more I just think about it, just something seems special about this Buffalo team. They uh, they had a literal perfect offensive game. I saw this crazy tweet earlier about like a perfect game against the the Patriots, uh, yeah. a pretty good defense. Uh, you know, they didn't punt. They scored every drive. They didn't fumble. They didn't turn the ball over at all. Just uh, hard to do in the playoffs. You have to be really locked in for that. So in like but five Kansas is a hard place to play. Too. Right, right, right. And whatever the temperatures are for this weekend should seem warm compared to that. But uh, Kansas City is one of it, it might be the best home field advantage in in, in the sport. So it's it's yeah. up there. So that'll be a tough one. If Buffalo runs the football like they Devin did against Singletary, the they're able to do that to yeah. an extent against Kansas City. It's going to be a long day because this year the problem with Buffalo has been Josh Allen has been the running game, and those guys have just scored from short yardage positions. But if they can run the football with those guys and not have to put the emphasis on Josh Allen all the time, then they're going to be a dangerous team. You're right, though, Pat. I mean, KC went through a lull. They've gotten really hot, but yeah, they're due for a loss, and, and that defense yeah. is – yeah, who knows what you're going to get there. Uh, yeah, and look, um, KC's offensive line completely rebuilt. A lot of youth there against uh, a good Buffalo front. So, yeah, they're at home. That helps. But um, that's going to be an uphill challenge for them uh, this uh, this weekend. So, yeah, I, I like Buffalo, and I would certainly root for them. And I agree. I think the winner of that game wins AFC Championship. I don't think Cincinnati or Tennessee is good enough. Uh, but, yeah, you give a lot of credit. Look, give a lot of credit to Cincy. Give a lot of credit to Tennessee. Tennessee, similar to what the Ravens had in terms of injuries and all that. But they they I'll ended up what, with Brian number Dable one seed. So that's, that's Stephon Diggs impressive. anywhere near Daniel Sorensen from the Chiefs because that dude blows coverages like it's nobody's business. There you go. There's that's your, the beautiful thing about There's Diggs. your offensive you game plan. Yeah. What was well? What what was up with the LA <laughs> They're Rams so depleted, signing which is, might Eric be what Weddle. keeps them from being no. um, in the Super Bowl? But I think any of the teams in the NFC um, could, you know, give, give us a good Super Bowl game. I mean, I think the Packers are are the favorite for sure, but uh, I think any of those teams are, you know, I could see them in this. Even even the Niners, not as much to an extent, but I I really like what they're doing and. If they were to beat the Packers, that would be impressive. I, I don't yeah. necessarily see it, but um, yeah, I think we're I think we're in for a good Super Bowl regardless of the outcome at this point. Yeah, I've right. seen blankets <laughs> cover better than. Well, well, what do you think Tom Brady is going to do to that secondary? Last game? week, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, Zach, you know how bad. It, I mean, look, his first year in Baltimore, I actually thought he out uh, outperformed in coverage. But the final two seasons or so, he was here, him and Tony Jefferson, they couldn't cover with the lick. And the Steelers made us look embarrassed. I mean, they He's had great in the locker because those guys couldn't that. cover. Were, were great the leader. And last week, it looked like they were just using him to basically spy Kyler Murray. Right. So Did he, he won a Super Bowl with you guys, right? He was on no. that last one. No, it was after that. Okay. Because I thought good, at least maybe he brings that. that he brings that Super Bowl experience, but yeah, okay, yeah, he so, was like yeah, 16, 17, that, 18. But, uh, hey, maybe we'll get Bills and Packers, and we'll have Diggs and Darnell Savage Super Bowl. That'd be good Worse for, for me. Yeah, for, how did I forget about Darnell Savage? That's, I, I may or may not have a preseason wager on the Packers as well. Yeah, yeah. Did you just bet yeah. on every team? No, no, no. I bet on. I did four teams. <laughs> it was the pack. It, it was the Packers. Like. It was the Packers, the Titans, the Bills, and the Colts, and 
three out of the four made the made the playoffs. So all right, yeah. Colts, yikes! They yeah, talk about a collapse. <laughs> Carson Wentz. The, the beginning of their season and the end of their season was just. It was oh, kind of a consolation for Eagles fans for the way our season ended to, to at least yeah. see their, you know, him crash. Well, and for burn Ravens and fans that. to see Big Ben th- thrown out with a, a blowout loss, that was that was that nice, was nice too. To watch. Yeah, watching that along with the Patriots getting blown you, you out, you know, and Dallas losing, I think we can all appreciate yeah. that all the yeah. time. Yeah, that was nice. <laughs> well, enjoy the enjoy the games uh, this weekend, yeah, fellas. Yeah. That you guys as well. Fun. Uh, while we can't uh, feel good about Maryland basketball, unfortunately, and for any of us who are Orioles fans, it's hard to get excited about that upcoming season. If at least we have the NFL. That's true. As long as the at least we had the NFL for a couple more weeks, uh, and after that, it's just dismal throughout the whole summer, sports wise. Uh, but check. <laughs> Hey, oh, right. yeah. USFL. You got the USFL. The this year, the NFL draft, more than I ever had yeah. before. The Eagles have three first-round picks, so I will be yeah. probably reading profiles and yeah. doing write-ups and doing whatever I can on just about every player that is projected to go on day one. Well, the Ravens so. have a bunch of picks. They're just... Yeah. Well, that's what, yeah. Should Howie I, Roseman I will need all the help he can get. Send it that way and <laughs> see if it does any, uh, it does any good, but... Yeah, yeah. probably just drive over to the stadium and post up. Right, right, right. With a picket sign, say yeah. "Let me in." I got, I got information. Put, but... put your draft picks on a on a picket sign <laughs> and just march yourself around the stadium. Uh, we'll find a way to screw it up, but it 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 at least <laughs> is the only thing to get me through the spring with no baseball and the NBA yeah. just not really my thing anymore. So, you know, I I think we I don't think baseball will go too long though. I I think both sides know if they do. I don't that, put anything past Rob Manfred. They're already playing catch up. So I he makes Roger Goodell look like he, a fantastic. Yeah, he is. I I just I think <laughs> he really does. But you just wonder how much with, with COVID. I mean, how much more damage, especially in they're dealing with some losses from COVID to an extent. How much more damage would they do? by prolonging you know the season and, and look if they come back and play let's just say in august although that's pretty late or even mid-july then you almost lost to uh, everybody to the nfl by that time i mean your window your window is april may june and the first half of july so right. if you eat and they had a, a shortened that, season the year before so last year just something too. to so consider that, that they well season in a three-year span that's that's not good either for stats true. for all the everything so true right now, minor leagues are not affected by it, though. Minor leagues will They're start a disaster the to begin that, with. That's separate. <laughs> minor so, league baseball is like they were like, you know, we'll just let well, you guys. You're not making any money or anything anyway. So, yeah. Well, they didn't right? play. Uh, they didn't play at all. I, I went to a Bay Sox game last year. That was fun because uh, for our fun fans, fans really the only joy we have is going to minor league games because then there's hope. Uh, when you go to the major league games, there's no hope. There's it's just true. none. <laughs> Well, those guys are yeah. now up for the roster next year or two. I think next year, but even this year, it's yeah. slowly starting to see. I mean, the I've been an Orioles fan since leagues, birth. It's always leagues. next year. Or in, or, ne- or in five years. We'll see. I mean, I'm there. I, I think they're on the right track. I'm with I think you. they got I'm, things I'm, moving, in- but they've always found a way to screw things up in the past. I'm always going to be pessimistic about Orioles baseball. They are. That's true. 
They're doing the right things. Minor leagues, international scouting, yeah. 24 guys the other day they signed their head and, in the right And for more talk on, because if if we try to cover every sport uh, possible, we're going to go about three hours here. But for, for more on that, we do have a message board here yeah. uh, at Baltimore I, I need to Sports go and Life. So be sure to join the conversation there, not just for Terps, but we've got solid communities for, for Ravens, for Orioles, for general NFL uh, be sure to follow all of that. Uh, follow the Twitter account. Uh, also follow us on Twitter at Talking Terps BSL. We're all going to have articles up shortly. Check those out. Uh, but for now, for my co-hosts, Mike Popovic and Pat Donahue, I'm Zach Kiesel. Roll Terps and fuck the Titans.